This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And there comes a time when a person must take his stand for Christ. Maybe he's been a go along with the tide, with the crowd type person. Maybe he's a don't make waves in the group. Maybe he's a silent believer. And then it comes a time when the timid now has to become bold. And when the non-confrontational person must now take his stand, confrontational if it must be. And it's all about who Christ is. That's what it all boils down to, who Christ is. There came a decisive moment for the blind man who'd been healed, and there came this decisive moment in his life in John 9, John 9, 14, where it says, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay into my eyes, upon my eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that's a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And they say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he's a prophet. We can imagine, just imagine, here's a blind man. You know, blind men, blind men, they can't afford to be confrontational people. I mean, because they're dependent on others all the time. They got someone's got to show them around and help them. And so, so you can imagine the blind man should be a timid man, and he's not wanting to make people mad at him. That's not a good thing for him to do. Well, he's just heard the religious authorities say that Jesus was not of God. And now came the decisive moment in this blind man's life where he was put on the spot and he was asked. Who is Jesus? What do you say about him? And he says he's a prophet. And because he said that, he's immediately excommunicated out of the synagogue. But he came through that for God in his decisive moment. Now, the Lord has heard the disciples who tell who others think he is. 
And so now he's asking them who they think he is. In other words, he's holding them responsible. They're being held responsible because they have a benefit that the others that they just talked about did not have. The others who thought he was John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets, those others didn't have the benefit of all the times of intimacy, close conversations that they had with Christ. Those others did not have the benefit of hearing all of his teaching. Those others didn't have the benefit of seeing all of his miracles, but the disciples did. And so as they saw that, they heard all that, they experienced all that, they were being held responsible now, and it was the time for them now to show that they had benefited more by knowing who Christ is. Just like it says in Luke 12, 48, Luke 12, 48, unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. We've been given a lot. We've been given a lot of revelation, a lot of knowledge, and so it's a healthy thing for us to consider what does God require of us for all that he has given to us in the sense that we hold keys. We hold keys to help people to understand about who Christ is and what he's done for them. That's why the word keys is oftentimes used and said he holds the keys of understanding. He holds the keys of knowledge, as in verse 19. Verse 19, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, now the question's on the table. Who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up in verse 16. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's saying here the same thing that says in John 1, 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John 1, 14. John 1, 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so what the disciples did at this point is they, they understood that God was made flesh in front of them. They understood that God was in the clothing of flesh. But what they did was that they looked beyond the clothing and they looked and they, what they saw was John 1.14, John 1.14. They beheld his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw beyond his flesh, that they beyond the flesh that he was made in, and they saw God. That's what happened to Jacob when he got his name Israel in Genesis 32. In Genesis 32, key verses are Genesis 32, 24. Genesis 32, 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Genesis 32.30, Genesis 32.30, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So there is a man wrestling with Jacob, clothed in flesh, and all night long they wrestle together. And when Jacob looks into the face of that man, Jacob says, in Genesis 32.30, Genesis 32.30, I have seen God 
face to face. Because when Jacob looked at the face of that man, Jacob saw 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what happened. That's what happened to Jacob. That's what happened to the disciples, just like Jacob, when he looked into the face of Jesus Christ, the disciples, when they looked into the face of Jesus Christ, they said the words of Jacob. Genesis 32, 30, Genesis 32, 30. I have seen God face to face. Jacob knew Jesus Christ was God, Jehovah Jesus. The disciples knew Jesus Christ was God. Jacob looked into the face of of Jehovah Jesus, Jesus Christ, and he saw God, and he knew who Jesus Christ was. And Jacob said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. My life is preserved. I have seen him face to face. My life is preserved. I know who he is, and my life is preserved. And the word he used for preserved is the word natsal, natsal, the Hebrew word natsal, and that's the same word that's used in Zechariah 3.2, Zechariah 3.2, speaking about Jerusalem. The Lord hath chosen Jerusalem. Is not this a brand plucked, not sal, from out of the fire, out of the fire? So Jacob said that his life was on a way to fire, in essence. In essence, Jacob was saying, my life's on a way to fire, like in hell, eternal burning, And when he saw the face of Jesus Christ there in Genesis 32, Jacob said, my life was plucked out from the burning, not Saul. My life was saved like being pulled out of fire. And when the disciples saw in the face of Jesus Christ God, they were saved because they knew Jesus Christ and that knowledge saved them because Jesus said in John 17, 3, John 17, 3, this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And so so, so it's the knowledge, the deep, solemn knowledge that Jesus Christ is God that is salvation. And this declaration that Jesus is the Messiah and God, when they said that, when he said that, he wasn't declaring it like a cold theological point on some statement of faith. This declaration that Jesus is the Messiah and God is not just the right answer to a test of a catechism. This is a confession that is accompanied with worship and adoration. You can't make that statement solemnly and deeply that Jesus is the Messiah and God without worshiping and adoring Jesus. To say that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and to say that Jesus is fully man is when he says, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? To say that Jesus is the Son of the living God, not a Son of the living God, but the Son of the living God is to say that he's God. To say that he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is to talk about a mystery that the Bible talks about. It's a mystery. It's a great mystery. It says in 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Timothy 3.16, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. No one can explain that. It's a great mystery that God should be in flesh. So Peter Peter answers the question, 
in verse 15, whom do men say that I am? Very significant that Peter, what Peter said in answer to that question, I mean, after all, the Lord has said, who do you say that I am? Now, the natural response to a question like that, who do you say that I am, is I say, who do you say I am? I say that you are the Messiah and, the, and God. That's natural. Or if he's speaking to the group of the disciples, who do you all say that I am? We say that you are the Messiah and the true God. That's, what, that's a natural response. I say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, or we say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, but he doesn't do that. There is no I, there is no we in what Peter says. He says in verse 16, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's exactly the issue. The issue is not what do you believe. The issue is not what do we believe. The issue is what is true. That's why I don't like the word Christianity. I don't use the word Christianity. In my mind, there's no such thing as Christianity because Christianity sounds like a religion. What there is is truthianity. <laughs> All right. That's what there is. The truth is Jesus Christ is God. And he's the son of the living God. That's truthianity. That trumps all other entities. Okay. Anyway. So much for my prop. And that's why it's so important that Peter did not say, I say, or we say. He just said the truth, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's the difference between who men thought he was in verse 14, and who he really is in verse 16. That's the difference between opinions in verse 14 and confession in verse 16. Peter knew who Christ was, and to know Christ is to be saved, as we saw in John 17, 3, John 17, 3. So that knowledge and that knowledge brought about worship and adoration. Now, Peter's made this great declaration, and now the Lord says to him in verse 17, verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He said to Peter, Peter, you're happy. You are so blessed. Just the sound of those words that you just said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a joyful sound. That's a very happy sound. To hear them makes believers happy, very happy. That's why David said in Psalm 89.15, Psalm 89.15, blessed is the people to know the joyful sound. That's a joyful sound, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for the people who really know that, it's very happy words. So, the confession of the disciples, because they just said, well, here's what's inside of us, and they just said, what's inside of us is that we know you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So now the Lord is saying, well, you gave one confession, and now I'm going to give you another confession. 
since you reveal the secret of what you knew to be true, I'm going to reveal a secret of what I know to be true. And this is what happens. Now, first of all, the Hebrew meaning of Peter's name, Simon, Simon is Shimon, which means hearing, like Shema, the same, same idea. And Bar means son, and Jonah means Jonah. So by calling Peter Simon Bar-Jonah, the Lord is reminding Peter of his name, of his name. So Peter, your name, Simon, Shimon, it means hearing. And this is going to be the key to your success, Peter. You're going to be successful with, with me as you hear your way into success. You will fail, you will fall, but your way back will be through hearing. So never forget your name, Simon. It means hearing. And that's the same for us, and that's why we should all have the name Shimon. We should all be called Simon. Because like Peter, we will fall, we will fail, but our path of recovery is hearing. We will hear our way back to God as we read the Bible with a listening ear. And then God, will, God speaks to us, Isaiah 30, verse 21, Isaiah 30, verse 21. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. And sometimes, when we read the Bible, we feel like, I can't see anything. I'm, I'm like a blind person. And that's not bad, because the Lord specializes in helping blind people. That's what he does. It says in Isaiah 42, 16, Isaiah 42, 16, I will bring the blind by a way they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Now further, he says to Peter, Peter, you are Bar-Jonah. He calls Peter uh, the son of Jonah, the son of Jonah. Now here, when he says the son of Jonah, he is reminding Peter again about the importance of his name, son of Jonah. Jonah was, we all know Jonah from the book of Jonah. Jonah was a stubborn man. Jonah was a man who wanted his own way, and he rebelled against God, and he went the other direction when God called him to preach to Nineveh, just as our brother Mike Johnson reminded us in the message. So as Peter was stubborn when he told Christ that you're never going to go to the cross, no, that'd be far from you, that was stubbornness. So Peter Peter was the son of Jonah. He's Bar-Jonah. And then Jonah failed and fell and, and ended up in, in being swallowed up by a big fish. And Peter failed and fell by denying Christ three times. And so Peter's the son of Jonah. You are Bar-Jonah. And then Jonah heard and he returned to the Lord from inside the fish. He was praying inside the fish in Jonah 2.1. Jonah 2.1, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And Peter heard after he fell, and God spoke to him and said, uh, come back, and Mark 16, 7, Mark 16, 7, go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, and you'll still see him. So Peter was the son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. And then uh, Jonah repented, and he recovered when the fish vomited him up on the land, and and so Peter returned to the Lord, ended up writing books in the New Testament. And so Peter again, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. And Jonah finally did end up 
obeying God and was a great preacher and with tremendous response from the Gentiles, the Ninevites, who turned to God, just as Peter had a tremendous response from his preaching in Acts 2.38. 238 and 41, 238. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 241, Acts 241. Then they that were received his word were baptized the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So Peter was the son of Jonah, Bar Jonah. Now, this is one angle of the Lord bringing to Peter's mind the significance of his name, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. But there's a different angle that we can also look at. And that's like, and now it's looking at the Hebrew meaning of the word Jonah. The Hebrew meaning, Jonah in Hebrew is, it means dove. Dove in Hebrew is Jonah. So the first mention of the dove in the Bible is when Noah, when Noah was still in the ark and he needed He needed the dove to do a job for him to see if the waters were dried up on the the earth. So Noah released the dove in Genesis 8.8. Genesis 8.8. Also, he sent forth the dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and he took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Now, in that little history, that little scene there, that little little, uh, episode, there are four little phrases in that short scene on the ark with Noah and the dove, and those four phrases are important for us, and they are uh, Genesis 8.8, Genesis 8.8. He sent forth a dove. Noah sent forth a dove. Genesis 8, 9, 8, 9. The dove found no rest. The dove found no rest. And then again, Genesis 8, 9, Genesis 8, 9. She returned unto him. And then again, Genesis 8, 9, Genesis 8, 9. He pulled her in unto him into the ark. So those four phrases describe Peter's life. It describes our life, actually, in Christ. First, Noah sends the dove out to do a job for him. And Peter, like the dove, was sent out to do a job, to go preach the gospel gospel for Christ. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove, who was sent out. And then the dove found no rest for her feet. And Peter found this world to be no home for him, no home for his soul. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And then the dove returns back to Noah, and Peter dies and returns back to Christ, so Peter's called Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And then just as Noah pulled the dove into him, into the ark, so Peter, when he died and he goes to heaven, Peter is pulled in to be with Christ. So Peter is named Bar-Jonah, the son of the dove. And for those reasons, we should all be named Bar-Jonah. We should all have the same name as Peter. We should all be called Simon, we're hearing, and we should all be called the son of the dove. Because as the dove, we are sent into the world. And as the dove, we find no home in this world, no rest in this world. 
And as the dove, we return to Christ. And as the dove, when we die, he takes us to be with him in heaven. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.